Chapter Ten of the Heart's Kingdom. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. The Heart's Kingdom by Maria Thompson Davies. Chapter Ten: Water and Oil. I turned from Nichols's raillery and surveyed the great American garden. The weeks had flown from May to late July, and Father's plans were beginning to be materialized. Where the sunken garden had been filled in a wide stone well-house, the like of which can be found at many of the farmhouses in the Harpeth Valley, had been built, and a chain-wheel and a bucket drew up the water from deep cisterns, which was supplied with underground pipes from the south wing of the poplars. There is no water as soft as open-top cistern water, aerated by a chain and bucket, Father had informed me, and he and Dabney consumed buckets of it while Mammy refused anything else for cooking purposes and insisted on a nightly bath of it for my face. A white clematis in full bloom clambered over the eaves of the low stone house, and a blush rose nodded at its door, beside which was placed a rough bench made of square stones and two large slabs, equally moss-covered and worn. "'It's growing to be perfectly wonderful, Nichols,' I said, as if I had seen it for the first time, while my eyes followed the sweep of the flagstone walk from the well-house beneath the old greybeard poplars out past stretches of velvety lawn, with groups of shrubs and trees casting deep shadows even to the kitchen garden, whose long rows of vegetables, bordered with old-fashioned blooming herbs and savouries, led the observer out into the meadows to the home farm and beyond to the dim line of Paradise Ridge. It is different and distinctive and—and American,' I added. After this garden and the school are finished and a few of the unfortunate restorations taken away from some of the old houses, like the porch at Mrs. Sproul's and that bathroom addition of Morgan's, I am going to bring Jeffreys down in his private car, and it will be difficult to keep him from offering to buy Goodlitz and have it all shipped up the Hudson. Really, Charlotte, we have seen a vision of the future materialize here, and we ought to stand with hats off. Whose vision? I asked, as I stood and let the truth of his statement sink in. The parson's spiritual vision perhaps filtering through your father's mentality, which has welded past, present, and future. At least that is the way I see it with the material eye, which is all I have to view it with, if we can call the recognition of beauty and completeness material. Now Mikey is nice and clean, and we can go to minister to play. Thank you, Aunt Charlotte. At this point young Charlotte broke in to say, thus flinging us a line to haul us out of the depths that were slightly over our heads. Isn't he lovely? and she gazed upon her new-found comrade with open admiration and self-congratulation and small mikey was indeed a bonny kitty attired in the very stylish trousers and blouse of small james and shining with dabney's valeting his nicely plastered red mop to some extent mitigated the effect of the bare and scratched feet and his rollicking blue eyes over a nose as tip-tilted as charlotte's own bespoke his delight Anyway, me mother made the togs for Jim, he asserted with great independence, as he rammed his hands into the diminutive pockets in the trousers. Yes, she did, and Aunt Harriet paid her for a present to Jimmy. She sews for us and not for Mikey and her other children, because her husband drinks up his money and our husband don't. Come on, let's go help minister, was the shot that Charlotte fired as she departed down the garden path with her cohorts. What about that for democracy, demanded Nichols, as he and father and I all laughed together that night at a dinner-party nell was giving i sat next to the harpeth jaguar and talked to him for the first time in many weeks i had been avoiding him and i didn't mind admitting it to myself there was something disturbing and puzzling in his serene eyes and free strong beautiful body that gave me a queer haunting pain back of my breast into my scheme of doing those things in life that give pleasure and not doing those that give pain he somehow would not fit 
he had become as much a part of the social fabric of goodlets as was i and he came to our dinner parties motored with us in his long gray car and was as happy with us seemingly as he was with that same gray car full of small fry from the settlement or going about the business of the chapel the car had always reminded me of his evening clothes which were straight and simple in line with the black silk vest cut up around the collar buttoned in the back but which were so fine in texture and perfect in cut and fit that they seemed to be some kind of super clothes that ought to be called by a name of their own just as the people in the settlement had decided to call the car the chariot as soon as they had stopped resenting a parson's having it from finding out how easy were its cushions and how swift its ministrations in time of need parson's chariot quick had moaned poor old mrs kelly when she had slipped on mrs burns's wet doorstep and dislocated her hip little katie moore had been driven home as swiftly as if on wings after old dr harding had been overtaken ten miles out on providence road and had used the back seat for an operating table while he put her small splintered ankle in place between splints improvised by a long knife from the car's kit and from a distance i had wondered at the reverend gregory goodloe wondered at his freedom from all resentment because of his ministerial and spiritual failures and at his loving serenity and enjoyment of us all he partook of the joy in almost all of our adventures and pleasure and when we did things that in the nature of the case would seem to merit his disapproval he never administered it he simply was not with us but was serenely about his business at the other end of the town from the country club or the last chance at whichever resort the entertainment that did not interest him was in progress he seemed especially to enjoy coming to our dinner parties and he was such a delight with his keen bladed wit his flow of joyous laughter and high spirits and the music that bubbled up without accompaniment or denial whenever we asked for it that not a woman in town would invite the rest to dine until she was sure of securing him first he's so economical said nell morgan as i helped her arrange her guests for mark's birthday dinner while she talked i paused to consider where to put harriet henderson and then dropped her card beside mark's with a little ache in my heart as i tucked cliff gray in by jesse lytton and left the place next to nell vacant for billy people never empty their champagne glasses when mr goodloe gets to talkin and you can put the extra bottles back in the cellar for next time do you suppose he does it on purpose nobody could be as completely happy as he was at jessie's friday night on purpose i answered as i laid the last card and went with nell to greet her first guests after the soup i turned toward the reverend mr goodloe whose card i had placed next to my own and found him looking at me with a particular softness in his eyes under the dull gold charlotte's and mikey's nine won twenty-eight to eighteen against tommy brady and maudie burns thank you for getting the pitcher into his togs he said as he squared his shoulders slightly against the rest of the world the rest of the diners in particular and bent toward me in just that deferential angle that a man uses when he wants to signal to the others that for a limited time he desires sole possession of the woman dining next to him your mixing of water and oil in the educational scheme is interesting me greatly i answered him with a laugh do you really think it will succeed any kind of kingdom can be built in the heart of a child an oligarchy a democracy or a republic he answered quickly your name daughter is a born socialist she and james are murderers and liars and thieves and are wholly engaging sue is fast learning from them the habits of their underworld and is asleep upstairs now with harriet silver and jade chain which she brought home with her without the knowledge of the owner this afternoon what are you going to do about them i take it you intend to build a kingdom in and of their hearts Weedham, like Dabney and I did, your dahlia bank ten times at least this spring. You didn't help with the dahlias, but maybe you will win with the young tenderloiners. His eyes entreated mine with a soft radiance that almost made me dizzy. I wouldn't know weeds from flowers, minister. 
I answered with a prompt denial of his plea, but with a soft use of the children's name for him. I don't always know. Let's study botany together, he again hazarded daringly, and from the tenderness that suddenly curved his strong mouth, I knew my soft answer had hit its mark. Are you coming to the dedication of the chapel a week from Sunday? He asked me the question directly, and with all his softness gone, and a commanding note in his voice and a direct look. His jeweled eyes were so deep back under their dull gold brows that between the bars of black lashes they looked like stars shining down through a radiant night. They threw their rays directly down into my heart, and I could see that their owner was reading the hieroglyphics of my uncertainties, and that I could not hide them from him. "'I am not,' I answered him, with the frankness that his gaze compelled. "'I'll not dedicate it until you help me do it, and—' He was saying quietly and positively when Billy broke in over the excluding shoulder. Billy really adores Gregory Goodloe, but he enjoys going to the limit of his ministerial endurance. Over that limit he has never stepped, and he never will. None of them ever will, for there is that in the Harpeth Jaguar which commands the very essence of respect for himself as well as his cloth. "'Say, Parson, what's that about the dedication of the chapel?' he asked, as he twirled his champagne glass to break a few bubbles. "'Charlotte and Nichols are going to give Harriet and me that tennis dressing down Sunday week if you don't need us to dedicate with.' "'No, I won't need you,' answered the Reverend Mr. Goodloe, in an easy, agreeable voice. But that had in it the note that he always uses to make Billy halt. "'I'm not going to dedicate it yet.' "'Why?' came in a perfect chorus. "'I've been working day and night on that altar-cloth, because I depended on you to know the date of the dedication of your own church. I have danced only once this week,' said Letitia Cockerell, with her usual bland directness. "'The communion service from Gorham's has been packed away unopened in my office a week,' Hampton added in an aggrieved voice. "'They hurried it for us, and it has to be sent back, piece at a time, to be marked. "'The baptismal font is perfectly beautiful, and I want the suckling sprinkled from it first. "'If you don't hurry, she will get old enough to misbehave herself. "'I know I promised, but I have decided that I can never have others baptized now. "'They are too bad,' said Nell, as she paused and listened for some sort of explosion from above, as she did every minute or two. "'I'll rope Charlotte and drag her to the altar for you, and Mark can sit on her feet while the parson sprinkles,' offered Billy, and they all laughed at the picture he conjured, which seemed to be in keeping with many scenes we had witnessed in the life of small Charlotte. "'That won't be necessary. She will stand before me with folded hands when her time comes,' answered Mr. Goodloe, after he had laughed as heartily as anybody else at Billy's threat. "'The greatest difficulty will be in persuading her to allow me to conduct my own services.' "'But what did you put off the dedication date for?' demanded Letitia, with the hurry over the altar-cloth still rankling. "'I put off the dedication of the chapel until all of the people for whom I care deeply, whose cooperation with me is positively necessary, should be ready to come and help me in the services. When that time comes, I will have the dedication. It may be a year, and it may be a day,' the parson answered with cool directness. "'If you mean Charlotte, the offer I made for young Charlotte holds good,' said Billy, with positive glee. "'If you want her, I'll rope her and drag her in, and the rest of you can bid for who holds her down while being branded.' "'And my answer to your generous offer, Billy Harvey, is—' Mr. Goodloe paused and looked at me, and Jessie giggled with nervousness—'the same that I made to your offer about the constraining of young Charlotte.' "'Still it would be great sport to see both the Charlottes,' Billy was saying, when a servant brought a note on his tray and handed it to Mr. Goodloe, who glanced at it and then hurriedly opened and read it. "'I'm sorry, Mrs. Morgan, but will you let me answer this summons?' he asked, and there was the regret in his rich voice of a great boy at being snatched from a feast. "'I am so hungry,' he added with a laugh. "'Come back later. I'll save some of everything for you,' said Nell pleadingly. 
"'I will if I can,' he answered. There was an excited smolder in the stars under the dull gold that made me restless, and my eyes sought and claimed his for a second, in which a quick flash of the jeweled tenderness of comprehension was flashed into my depths. "'Good-bye, everybody,' he said, and in a second was out of the dining-room, and we could hear him running down the steps." "'Oh, dear, if he just wasn't a preacher,' sighed Harriet. "'I suppose somebody in the settlement is dead or born or drunk, and he has to go see about it. I wish—' "'Great Jehovah!' exclaimed Billy, as he suddenly jumped to his feet. "'Ensley is fighting drunk and has the gang all round the last chance. Parson's life isn't worth a tinker's dam if he runs foul of them with all that talk about Martha Ensley and Jacob's threat. She came back last night and Goodloe threatened to have Jacob arrested for beating her. "'Come on, Nichols, let's follow him. We'll be enough.' the rest of you go on eating and drinking and marrying because old mark was born we'll come right back just as soon as we see that all is serene on the potomac of the last chance and with a last hasty gulp at his wine-glass billy followed nichols out of the room nichols was both white and livid and the expression of his face frightened me for i knew that billy would minimize any kind of danger in the presence of a woman while nichols would not take that trouble it was with a queer breathlessness that we all sat before our wine-glasses in the midst of the perfume from the rich food and dying flowers and waited for what we did not know then it came a shot rang out clear and clean in the darkness and was quickly followed by three barking echoes from a repeater and there seated in my chair in the brilliantly lighted room blocks away from the scene i felt a bullet thud against dull gold End of chapter ten